If you are glued to the news or work in certain professions, it can seem like we have an epidemic of violence. Since that first breath we took as a humanity, violence has existed and most likely always will on this plane of polarity. And even though none of us really like it, there's no reason we shouldn't come to understand its role in our lives more. Derived from some feedback from a listener, we are talking about violence and the roles voids and attachment play. Also getting into why we have violence, ways to prevent violence, and perspectives to consider to stop the energetic leakage due to the resistance of the very existence of violence. Now, if you have any questions on any past episodes or ideas for episode topics, please email us. This episode is an example of a listener's email who contacted Alexander and presented some challenges that this person faced in their life. And of course, we love that interaction from the listeners out there. So again, if you want to contact us with questions or constructive criticism or even episode topics, go ahead and email us at Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at wise-wise.com, or you can reach Alexander at alexander at wise-wise.com. And so my challenge for you in the next two weeks is to find two people in your life and find a way to show them gratitude. Maybe tap into that vulnerability a little bit. We have done an episode on vulnerability if you want to go back and listen to that one. But try to show them in a vulnerable way, how much they mean to you. We often have gratitude for these people in our lives, but we never really express it. We never really say it. We never really allow ourselves to be vulnerable in that way in front of them. And that can really change a relationship. So I'm just challenging all the listeners out there to find two people and maybe tell them what they mean to you, maybe bring up an example of the past of something that they've done that really meant a lot to you, but maybe you didn't express it at that moment. And just allow yourself to be to be in that loving energy and show that appreciation for those people. And if you, of course, have appreciation for this show, go ahead and share us on social media, smash that like button on our YouTube, subscribe, Leave us ratings and reviews. Now on the topic of appreciation and gratitude, we have that for you because you are choosing to work on you. And with that, let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility welcome to the wise wise podcast I am Aaron hello everyone Alexander here and even though the world right now may seem to be drab and in chaos and and Far different than we ever really imagined. Mm. There, 
there is a way to reconnect with that unconditional love and consciousness. And that's why we are here to teach you tools and techniques into doing so. Well said, well said. So let's start out this episode uh, pulling in an email from a listener that we got where she had several questions for us and they had to deal with violence, voids, and our most recent topic that we released a couple weeks ago, which was on attachments. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I want to give a shout out to this person um, actually in Australia and we do appreciate the candid um, responses, and in this, uh, she both showed appreciation as well as some areas that she had questions and then was strong enough to say she had her own views of it and was just open to mine. So uh, just really applaud the the proper way of uh, communicating, and uh, this person happens to be a social worker, so we, we thank her for that, uh, that work. It can be very challenging, especially in these times. And so we're going to do our best to touch on a few of the subjects that Aaron just mentioned um, that was part of her concern and appreciation. And we thank anyone and everyone for, um, you know, sending your emails with your requests or uh, statements and always in a constructive and beneficial way. So yeah, you. I was going to say something very similar. We do love feedback, especially constructive criticism. Where I come from, like the design world, that's how we get the best product is when we get multiple perspectives on things, asking questions, and so that we can ask those questions and get it on a podcast episode and refine the details. Because for us to talk about subjects for everybody's perspective would, you know, it would take hours for a single topic. So we are trying to give the most blanket way of uh, explaining these topics, but yes. we, we will miss certain perspectives. And that's when, if you're unclear on something, we welcome questions and we'll either answer you personally, or if it warrants an entire new episode like this one, we will be glad to do yes, that. And I want to come in and give a reminder as well that if anything is said that offends you, know that something has been misconstrued. We do do our absolute best to provide this information in a non-confrontational way, but we do accept that we can't please everyone at the same time. So many times reach out, uh, give us an opportunity to uh, go a little bit deeper with the subject or explain why it was answered or given the way that it was. And uh, these things can be resolved very quickly and and not just here, but, but take that into account in all your relationships to to always, if you get offended by something someone says or does, before you get fully emotional, emotionally attached to it, you know, inquire and say, this is what I received through that action or verbiage. Was that your intention? And many times a lot of things can be cleared up with just that kind of second question, so to say. But make it authentic and, and stand in your power, but without force. And inquire first. And that's, again, this is one of the the best inquiries from the public that we've had in quite a while, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, to give somebody the opportunity to clarify, I feel like is a big sign of respect. Yes, I agree. I agree. And and we need to remember that on both sides, uh, that we want to give other people that opportunity, just as we would like to receive that opportunity as well. 
So this message sort of brought up something for me, a perspective that I've had while learning this content from you, Alexander. And I wanted to share it because I, I do feel like it is it is necessary to bring this to the forefront because many people who are listening to this podcast probably also have this sort of mindset mm -hmm. because I feel like it is entrained in us through society and our messaging and the media, which is this extreme extremes point of view where where we don't think in gray area anymore or in between we're always if it's not this then it has to be this right and so for example when alexander talks about preferences and how we should strive to live in non-preference when i first heard this from him or the first few times in my head i immediately was like okay well this is a self-help podcast so if he's talking about be having no preferences, then I need to rid all the preferences from my life immediately because I want to do the best <laughs> that I can. Mm -hmm. I want to work on right. this self-growth. And I know I think we can we can also get in this way of wanting to expediate this process. Yes, yes that if I fix or change this, it'll make me better faster. Yeah. And I, so I think there's two also like there's two behavioral patterns here. There's that where which you want to do the best that you can. And also this seeing things in black and white and not in gray. And right. of course, that's not what you were saying. You weren't saying that we had to remove this from our lives. Uh, I'll let you explain. I don't yes. want to explain for you, but go ahead. <laughs> well, beautiful. And this does fall under one of our pillars of polarity versus duality. And in polarity, the very first step is acceptance of both sides in duality is the view of resistance to where you feel like your side is better than the other side and you're looking to conquer that other side. And so even with this preference, the teaching is learn to live in non-preference. But as I've said before, I enjoy green beans better than broccoli. But if I go to someone's house and they have a broccoli casserole, I'm not going to make a stand and say, no, I stand in my preference and I want a green bean casserole. I'm happy to enjoy the broccoli casserole. And then the next time I'm at home, I can cook green beans anytime that I want. See, that is managing your preference preferences. And that's really what this teaching is about. It's not to get rid of your preferences. It's just that at any moment in your life that you can set your preference aside and I think I can relate this to potentially like an alcoholic, that people get so frustrated with loved ones that are dependent on substances because they'll say something like, can't you see that you could have so much more if you would get away from that? See, the alcohol in this example is the preference, and they're choosing that preference over their family or their child or their job. So, see, it would be healthy for them to learn to manage that preference. And I think that this is a much bigger subject than most people think about because our preferences is what really decides our heaven and hell or whether we're so-called enjoying life or not. See, it's not really in the outcomes. It's in the preferences. So, in this work and in this just philosophy, a big part of that is just being able to manage these preferences. So learn to live in non-preference. And especially when there's an emergency at hand or something so-called negative that you want to resist. 
See, if your preference is to resist life or to resist what's really in front of you, lots of people run from their lives. Then when an emergency comes their way, they have to be able to put that preference to the side and truly be present or it's going to make it worse for everyone around them. So this is an ongoing practice throughout life to learn to manage these preferences so that we can set them aside at any point in time to truly be present and to see clearly and consciously whether to handle the situation like so-called mother and the the optimal divine feminine energy or a so-called father and the optimal masculine energy. And we don't have that choice when we're in reaction. We have that choice when we're in response, when we're able to set the preference to the side and respond to it consciously and non-emotionally. So I'm so glad to finally get to, to bring this up and the fact that you've directly experienced some of these, I think, is a goldmine for our listeners. Yeah, and I think some other common ways that it is misconstrued is with emotions. And we've actually done a whole episode on how emotions are important, but we've talked about you know, not being attached to your emotions and the proper way to manage them. And, and this, all this work is about managing, like you yes. mentioned, and it, it's about trying to get back to consciousness so we have choices and not allow these things like preferences, like emotions, to control our, our choices. Yes. So, so it overrides us, and that's really the only choice we would have if we allow that, right? Yes, yes. And, you know, I want to bring up again that we may not have quite as much free will as we think we do, but the one true free will that we have is our perception. And that perception is hardened by our preferences. So being able to, we've used the word manage a lot so far in this episode, and there are certain people that have a resistance to that word. We've been told that it sounds too masculine. But see, managing really isn't a masculine energy. It's really more of a feminine energy. See, for for decades and decades, the majority of managing the young children has come from the feminine energy, not just the feminine gender. I'm not talking genders once again, but the feminine energy. But beating accomplishing, overriding, ruling, that's all masculine energy. So this is a perfect example of changing our perception of how we've been trained because managing things is really more of a feminine energy than just directing things is more of a masculine energy. So anybody out there that's having any resistance to this word management, let's please look at that. Um, because you may be projecting a limited explanation of it. And as we get into this work, yes, the emotions is such a big part of five parts of this work, the physical, the mental, the emotional, the energetic, and the spiritual. But that emotional side is not to be stuffed. It's not to be run from. We are emotional beings. And I think that, yes, people have misconstrued when they've heard me talk about managing emotions to think that there's something wrong with them or that we shouldn't have them. And that's not the case at all. What I rather try to relate it to is young children, that managing our emotions pretty much determines the way that we will manage children and vice versa. How we manage our children 
in physical form is a good relating of how we handle and manage our emotions. So as we continue to grow towards our authentic selves and step out of any victim mentality and step into the responsibility of all our emotions is merely very similar to people taking responsibility of their children. And I'm hoping that this is this episode is going to help connect some dots that have always been there, but until you see them, you don't see them. And hopefully this is connecting some of those dots. And this all stems from the you know the topic of voids and attachments and how they relate to violence uh as that was part of the question and attachments is the last episode that we just released and that is also something that people were misconstruing is when we did that episode on attachments we weren't saying like rid all attachments Mm -hmm. from your life but just work towards viewing them and if you become conscious of them and then I think naturally, if you're doing this self-growth work, becoming conscious of them would and, and how they could control you, mm-hmm. you would naturally start to adjust them over time. Yes, and it is that fluctuation. See, that's one reason that I don't care for much of the term of, of equal or balance. Things are really in equilibrium, which means that things are always in flux and moving. Once again, the term management a proper manager of anything knows when to give and when to take. It's like the ebb and flow of the ocean. They know that it goes both ways or you're not managing, you're dictating. And management is more for the overall good of everyone involved where dictating is normally for the good of a certain group of people. And so so seeing these emotions, uh, attachments that – When you can recognize that you are attached to a person or a substance or a pattern, yes, see, judgment's not necessary. In the plane of polarity, there's no judgment needed because you accept that if the so-called good thing exists, the so-called bad thing has to exist. They both have to exist in this world, just like night and day, just like the poles on a battery has a positive and negative pole, but one's not good and one's not bad. They're both necessary, and that's what... Another big part of this uh, information is is changing people's view to choose a side. And we're stuck in that so much in our culture right now that these attachments that people are trying to fill voids with externally is creating violence. And that's why this this email was so timely because it's bringing a lot of things together. And see a social worker dealing with this day in and day out sees these patterns over and over and over. So bringing this together to see that, yes, attachments are there normally because people have voids that normally were established in their youth as a child. And then that those attachments, when they don't get what they want, it creates violence. And, um, you know, I think we're going to continue to shed more light on all three of these main subjects as we get deeper into this. All right, let's dive a little deeper into violence now that we've kind of done a reset on all these terms at the beginning of this episode. Now, I I see us covering this topic in or two ways we could. One is how we look at violence and how we allow it to affect us, you know, seeing it on the news or whether we we view it in our life or whether we're a victim to it. Mm -hmm. And then the other way is why does this occur in our culture? 
and I think you're getting into like the more of the theory of like morals and values and, and that type of aspect. So I'm going to allow you to choose which way you want to go with it. Well, I think uh, even a another, and I do hope to touch on those two and bring me back to those point, but an, another important aspect is that some people are just inundated in areas where violence is exhibited. And then there's other people that don't necessarily have that in their life. And I think that's the very first place that I want to start is normally the people that judge something the most are the ones that have experienced it the least. I want to say that again. Normally those that judge the most carry the least experience. Because what experience does, like travel, is you put yourself in vulnerable situations, especially if you travel to a country to where you don't speak the language. It almost forces you to practice humility, to practice being kind, to practice things that where you are empowered in your own area, you would never even consider practicing. So... Of course, some of the most wise people are, that I've ever met are the people that have traveled the most and have had the direct experience of things that maybe they judged at one point, but then when you have the experience, it changes your understanding of it. So those of you that haven't been through a lot of violence, you know, right off the bat, getting gratitude about that, that as we were discussing earlier before we started the podcast, I brought a connection together to from violence and competitiveness. And then you brought up an interesting point. Yeah, I said to Alexander that I'm a very competitive person, but I've never really been violent in my life. I mean, very, like, I don't know what you would define as violent. Like, I have never attacked. I've never been in a fight. Mm-hmm. But then I also looked at, so I'm competitive because of... I mean, astrological, I can say I'm an Aries and they're very competitive and maybe the the three in the human design is a very creative and competitive mm-hmm. energy. But then I also have that five energy uh, in the human design profile, which is um, a very social energy, but they do not like confrontation. Right. So I can be very competitive when I play sports, but I will do anything possible to never get in a fight. And I've I've, so I've never really gotten in a, in a physical altercation in my mm-hmm. life where I'd like wanted to. The point that I brought up about this was that some of us are blessed not to be put in certain situations, uh, to be pushed, to be cornered, to be judged, ridiculed, and to just see the connection that if you are a competitive person but you've never been violent, then count your blessings that maybe you weren't, you know, raised in Compton or somewhere where, you know, that violence is an everyday thing. And that if you were a competitive person in that situation, you may not be able to not be violent. That could, that could push you to that point. And so bringing gratitude once again to people that haven't been violent and they might see violence and it's very challenging to not from an external view go into judgment because that hasn't been part of your life so i did want to bring up that 
for first of all, people that haven't been in violent situations, be grateful and be humble and know that many people aren't gifted that environment. And if you do carry that competitive nature, then work on some of that humility, maybe where violence is is um, concerned. Now, with the other two areas that you brought up, that sometimes people get used to violence. Um, some people are raised in it as children. And so many times people will allow a certain amount of violence around them. Once again, because it was general in their environment growing up. But what I want listeners to remember is that you always have the right to remove yourself from a violent situation and pay attention to learn the very first signs of a person beginning to go in that direction and make your adjustments earlier because many times the abused is staying around to try to help, to try to fix, to try to show that person a different way, which once again is beautiful, kind intentions. But this is why I have the saying of good intentions are the death of a wise one. You need to optimally be the next step is to be clear in what that intention is going to, how it's going to affect that person or that situation. Because lots of people can antagonize people not meaning to, uh, but normally it's coming from a good place. And when you're dealing with a violent person or a violent situation, finding a way to remove yourself from the situation from my aspect, and I'm thankful to not have had to been raised in a violent environment, but that's my very first out is as soon as some kind of violence breaks out, I'm looking for how can I remove myself and people I care about from this situation because you can't talk consciously to somebody that is either inebriated or fully blown in their negative emotions. And most of the time, the fixers, the helpers are trying to come from a logical standpoint. And then, like I said, if that person pushes you too far, then a competitive person can all of a sudden turn violent because did you just threaten me? Where if you would have removed yourself from the situation, you wouldn't have been there for that threat. And so I'm hoping that that's getting across to empower people to pay attention, to look earlier for the sign, to remove yourself from the situation. This isn't just running from what is real, because if you have a concern of violence, then you may not want to be around, may need to give that some room, some space. So those that are in violent relationships, you know, my heart goes out to you. But there is a lot that you can learn about subtle energy, about studying people's profiles in the human design and our destiny card system that helps to notice these triggers to learn. So anyone in that situation, I want you to know there is help. There is a way to empower yourself. But the direction that I'm suggesting for help is to learn to read the signs earlier and make an adjustment to make sure that yourself and your loved ones are in a safe environment and you're not staying behind trying to help a violent person and you push them beyond their point of uh, being able to think rationally. And I feel like 
unfortunately, many times in domestic disputes where violence breaks out, uh, one or the other person just doesn't see the window to leave or to making an adjustment. And they both get too far in. And it's very, very unfortunate. And my heart goes out to anyone in those situations. But here with this podcast and with the information here, we're looking to empower people and how to read and see the signs earlier to make an energetic adjustment or a physical adjustment if you need. But many times the very first step is being able to make an, an energetic and emotional adjustment. And it's been proven through physics that it does affect and change those around you. All right, yeah. And the other question was, and I guess this is not a wise why, but what we because <laughs> it's not an eternal why, but it is a it is an interesting why to look at society. So it's almost like a wise why in a way if we consider ourselves part of society. Why is this violence taking place? Like, is it is it a lack of morals or values or uh, a teaching or or lack of empowerment or is it as simple as saying everybody's stuck in duality? Well, I think that right off the bat, uh, the majority of it is trained from my experience. And however you're taught to handle the situation, uh, and by teaching, I mean whatever example was set for you, especially younger than 12 years old, but very powerful from seven years old younger. Whatever we have exemplified in front of us or the beginning stages of what we call our truth. And just like many times, racism and lots of different issues are passed down from generation to generation because it's taught so early, it's accepted so early that uh, an adult maybe can't remember when that negativity wasn't being supported. So this isn't to excuse anyone from the responsibility of their own energy, of course, and that is a big part of this work is it ste stepping into true adulthood to realize the trainings that we've picked up and the ones that we don't no longer care to carry the resonance of. And to me, I call it breaking the ripples, breaking the family lineage ripples. So when we recognize this, we don't need to go into judgment of the examples that was around us growing up. All of that energy of that judgment can be put into oneself to just simply say, I'm glad that I see where this came from. Now it's my work every day to make sure that I don't get pushed to a point of being violent, not even to raise my tone. So as I was speaking with a uh, client this morning in a private consultation, there was something very similar being shared that she was just staying so frustrated and I merely said, as long as you allow them to frustrate you, they will frustrate you. As long as you allow somebody violent to put fear in you, they will. But see, in this work, I choose to say that no one can make me mad. No one can make me sad. These are choices for any adult. And I'm, of course, I'm not talking about children that go through some really hard things. But any adult looking to work on themselves or looking to step out of any of this victimhood of there's somebody or something doing this to me. And with that statement, you're, you're stepping more into your individual power and taking power away from external circumstances and people. 
to see that boundaries, here we will get into boundaries, which normally is connected to voids and attachments as well. As soon as we see something or someone that is not truly healthy or in vibration of wellness to us, we need to look at regulating our time around that person. And that's what my client asked me this morning. She said, well, how do I get away from these people that live in my home as her family? And I said, well, you can take lots of walks. <laughs> as soon as you start to get irritated, in the very least, is when you make the adjustment. See, the problem is, is somebody stays into an altercation too long and the emotions build. And then at some point, the more so-called violent or the more dominating person brings in a threat. But see, the adjustment needs to be made much earlier than that. The adjustment is as soon as you feel a need to prove something, remember my saying that truth does not need to be proven. If you feel a need to prove something, you're not as clear in that so-called truth that you're looking to defend that you think that you are. So merely take a time out, kindly remove yourself from the situation, go to the restroom, go for a drive, go for a walk outside, but merely maybe say something like, you know what, I need to look at this a little bit deeper before I make too much of a stand, and I want to respect your opinion, even if you completely disagree with them. Many times that is going to give a very supported way for you to go remove yourself and go for a 10 or 15 minute walk. And I utilize this practice very, very often. But I went through five years of excruciating chest pain. It took me those five years to figure out that it was the emotion frustration. And then the next two years to figure out how to learn to manage frustration. Now, this is a big part of my work that I help clients and friends and colleagues with because it's about the energetic, the mental, and the emotional adjustment before things get physical. Once it turns the word violent means that it has reached the physical level, the most dense, the one that it takes the longest to get there. And this is normally where a person is in fight or flight. So there's no conscious response. There's only reactions at this point. Your hope for conscious response is on the mental, energetic, or emotional levels. And that's why we talk about these three levels so much in this work. And we touch on the spiritual, of course, or religious, and we touch on the physical. But these three levels, the mental, energetic, and emotional, is where when adjustments are made, things don't have to reach the physical level of where violence resides. So I hope this is bringing some clarity that this is why doing the subtle work in the what some people hear the subtle energy realm is, is that as soon as I start to feel frustrated or bothered at all with anybody about any situation, see, I want to realize that I'm not perceiving it through a spiritual view because I've got judgment, which has been activated by my mind which is now bringing in my emotions because whether I agree or disagree with my judgment is whether I'm in a so-called good mood or a bad mood, then that weakens the energetic field and makes a person do things physically that they wouldn't normally do. And so, so making your adjustments earlier, people, helping your loved ones to see it earlier when their, their opposer is getting in a mood, 
the earlier we can make these adjustments and not go into savior or fix it mode or poke the bear mode, make the adjustments and always look to have a way to get yourself to, you know, your own environment, whether that's just stepping outside the house to walk around the yard or, or whatever it is, going for a drive. But uh, to implement that, and most of the time, a so-called violent person doesn't have an issue with a person walking away when they walk away before they get that charged. And like I said earlier, as soon as you feel that aggravation, if you say, you know what, I want to consider your view a little bit deeper, so I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to go for a drive. At that time, that person is not too emotionally invested You've got time to make the adjustment. Once they're overly emotionally invested and it's come into the physical realm, there's no more talking consciously or talking sense to that person. You're just more than likely in a situation to where just about the only role to play is victim. And that's a place I want to do my best to keep people from. Yeah, and the way that you're posing to walk away is also showing a sign of respect where if you just argue with them and try to push your own view on them without hearing or showing that you're hearing them, then that's not a sign of respect and that's only going to elevate the situation. So yes. I do like, I do like the way that you would respond to that. And I did like also the way that you described how the three other levels, uh, that they're almost like filters Yes, well said. until it gets to the physical. And we can see that on our inside and we can see where we need to shore up our defenses uh, so that we don't get violent. Or what we can also, uh, you know, kind of superimpose that on society or individual people and see where they may be lacking. Like, where is society lacking? I mean, I would also even put the spiritual at the top. Like, the spiritual could be the first defense. Where almost, it almost always is. Yeah, almost yeah. Almost always. Like, if, if we can't accept that, you know, things are the way that they are for, for a larger purpose, or, or, or if we can, then that, that kills anything right in its tracks. Yes. But, but if, we, if we're at odds or resistant to that, then we, it does trickle down to the next, the next stage, the next filter. And if, if people don't have that faith, and, and then if they don't have morals, then, of course, you could see how they may resort to violence faster yes. or have less tolerance. Yes, because, you know, no matter what the situation is from this perspective, every so-called negative situation begins in that spiritual or religious realm because it starts with doubt. It starts with thinking that somebody's wrong and you're right, which all the great teachers, Jesus included, taught against, and that's non-judgment. So when we did our spiritual episode here, you know, the three main focuses was faith, trust, and non-judgment. And I had many people bring up you know, what about love? What about compassion? And I broke it down that we get so caught up on the holding on our attachment to certain words that these other three words, I feel like, is less um, watered down than words like love and compassion and those types of things. So, so if you are a trusting person, and I don't mean trusting other people, but trusting the divine energy trusting your life, trusting yourself, and you carry faith that there is a higher energy, whatever you want to call that, that is 
overseeing all of this very similar to when we're children and we're three or four years old and our mother or father takes away our jelly beans and we get upset and mad at them and think that they're mean because we don't understand that they're saving us from our belly hurting. That's the way that I like to look at this divine energy. And so the third part of that is non-judgment. That any time that you think that you're right and someone else is wrong and you go into pursuing to change their mind, A, you're probably filling a void. B, you're creating an attachment or uh, exacerbating an attachment, which is going to create more and more judgment, which has a tendency to, to the wrong person at the wrong time, create a violent situation. So, remember, everything that this philosophy is connected to is all around wellness on all five levels. Because if any listeners are like, oh, you're just saying, that, you're just saying to be passive all the time, that's not what I'm saying at all. No, I'm very active, and you have to be very active for this kind of internal work. You just can't be as interested in the external. But see, what I began to realize is that when I decided to step off of the front lines of controversial topics or the front lines of conspiracy theories, see, there's plenty of people to fill in those roles. I decided a new role that I want to focus on myself. And then after 26 years of doing this work, I see how it ripples out and affects everybody around me. So see, I have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt in my own world that I help others by doing my own work and that I help others by teaching them to do their own work to help their families. Because anytime that we're trying to help externally, we're exhausting twice as much energy as it takes to resolve something internally. And we're energetic beings, which is connected to physics, and we resonate or uh, carry dissonance with each other. And just because we carry dissonance and we don't resonate doesn't mean that we don't like the person. Just as when somebody has a different opinion than you, the one that stands in truth does not need to prove their truth to that other person. And the most powerful people I've ever seen in my own experiences, those that had nothing to prove. And they simply had a smile on their face because they could see that you're the one in friction. <laughs> you're the one struggling to prove your point, not the wise. So the wise wait for questions, not challenges. So if you're a so-called violent person or even an overly competitive person, you know, want to touch on you as well to make sure that, that this information is useful because just the same as we talked about the people that are in violent situations, the person that can be violent can learn to manage these emotions earlier, can learn to breathe deeper, to take a pause, as we've talked about on many of these podcasts, to learn to just take a breath before responding to anybody about anything. That breath sometimes can mean the difference between life or death. That breath can sometimes mean the difference between going to jail or going home. That breath 
can save or sever a relationship. So that breath can train us to just not react. Because when we react, we carry no consciousness, hardly ever. Consciousness is carried in response and seeing it as clearly as possible. That it's not about the black and white. It is about the variables here. And that seeing that I can be 100% in my truth and accept someone's exact opposite truth. Because that acceptance does not mean that I condone or approve of their truth. It merely remains that I respect them as a human being. The saying, Namaste, the God light in me loves the God light in you. Past all of the personality, past all of the preferences, past all of the voids, past all of the attachments. That's where we're all connected. But we get stuck in these voids and these attachments that creates violence. And I just want to give a big hug to everyone and realize that you do have more power than you realize right now. And this is the beauty of working on these subtle energy levels so that you can see things coming way before. And those of you that can see it coming way before, now is make the adjustment earlier. You know, don't give that violent person and that person with their attachments a reason to strike. And normally that is standing in your power and your truth, but not always needing to share it. Because if I'm around an authoritative or potentially violent person, I do not need to share my view, especially if I know their view is opposite of mine. Why do I need need to share it. There's a saying in the Bible of do not cast pearls among swine. And that was a major life lesson that I'm not going to get into in this podcast. For me, in my super early 30s, when I was trying to help people with the knowledge that I was learning, and these people weren't looking for that knowledge. So many times, these aggravations that can escalate to violence start off in just a discussion that turns into a debate that turns into an argument, that turns into something physical. See, I just named four stages of it. We can learn to make adjustments at any four of those. But the earlier you make it, more than likely the more successful you're going to be. So earlier in the episode, you did mention uh, the perspective of a social worker being around uh, these types of experiences with other people And so I want to bring that back around, but also from the view of, I mean, just somebody who's living in this world today and who's maybe plugged into a news channel where all they're doing is highlighting all the bad in the world, bad in the world. Mm -hmm. And if, if we are surrounding ourselves and hearing from all of our sources that we are plugging into and opening our mind to and allowing in. Allowing. Yeah, if, if everything we're allowing in is talking about all the negative, we can, we can you know, take on that perspective that that is our reality now because it's all we're hearing. But I, I wanted to take those perspectives, you know, whether you're always around it or always hearing about it, how can we be in those environments or, you know, we may need to make adjustments, but how can we be in those environments and adjust our perspective so that we don't, eat ourselves alive just 
oozing out our energy, mm-hmm. giving up all, all of our energy out of fear or worry, uh, being around this this type of energy all the time. Well, I'm going to answer that on both the personal and the business level. First thing I want to say is everyone pay attention to how long you've been doing things and know that seven years is a complete life cycle. And certain things in our lives that when we do it more than seven years, it can start a deterioration phase. So I look for the future for jobs actually be created for people to uh, do certain number of years and then transfer. So everything's seen like a team rather than like individuals working for the same company. A true team means that we help teach each other and we alternate roles like a basketball team. They all touch the ball. They all dribble. They all shoot. But they do all of that different percentages depending on their skill set. And I think that there's a lot to, you know, any sports team that has – a lot to offer the way that corporate is doing business moving forward in the future. And part of this is people not being put in jobs and roles long enough to start deteriorating them because they start to lose their humanness out of survival. And so that's on the, the bigger scale for the smaller individual person to see this because you know many people have bills and debt that they've incurred and so people say well i can't just quit my job or change my job you know i don't care for that word can't normally i will help the person to see that no you're choosing to do that because people lose their homes their cars like every day but some people choose to do it consciously and say, hey, no, I'm not paying this. I messed up. Yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to continue on this treadmill and I'm going to make a complete life change. And I've met many of those people. So the very first thing on a personal level is to know that you are empowered, that you do have more choices than you are limiting yourself presently to. And whether that's a relationship or a job. Most people limit themselves and think that their options are few, but there are people that leave relationships or leave jobs every day without a plan. And through the spiritual level of trust and faith and non-judgment, I happen to feel that most anybody can overcome almost any situation, remembering those three situations like that just that we just discussed, the faith, the trust, and the non-judgment. Going out compassionately to those that are working these jobs where they seem see the same patterns over and over, they seem similar suffering, whether that's through children or, or through uh, females or whoever it's through, my heart goes out to you and I thank you from the deepest level of my heart for your level of work, just like I do nurses and teachers. But those are three jobs that I really feel like needs to be on a rotation. Um, because it weighs so heavily and people that do any of those jobs, they go into it because they care so much. And many times their caring gets thwarted because of the institutions that they're working in limits their ability to help, to, to grow, to change, those types of things. So, so uh, the people that suffer the most are those that carry an entrepreneur type of personality and they're stuck in some kind of job or situation like that. But the main thing I want to say is to, you know, remember that 
the more of your own voids that you can feel that you normally have wanted other people to feel, the more self-reliant and the more confidence you're going to carry. Now, that takes time and it takes effort. But the very first thing it takes is just humility. To remember that we are habitual creatures. And the one thing that we do have in our corner is anything that we do consistently, we get better at. So I don't care, any of you listeners, how uh, bad or not talented you are at any certain thing, you have the capability to learn it. The problem is that judgment comes in not just on others but on ourselves because we can't learn it fast enough or good enough or whatever. Just chop wood, carry water, and practice it every day, and within a year you'll be a lot better at it. I don't care what it is, but it's that consistency. So, so uh, you know, in starting to to wrap up this this episode and topic, uh, we have expanded, and I hope that we've touched on a lot of things. I think voids is still something that maybe we can touch on a little bit more um, in wrapping up, but I think we've covered a good bit on on the other subjects, but what do you have left for us? Yeah, I wanted to get you to talk more about uh, the people who, you know, are just involved in media and encounter, you know, the violence that's going on in the world and how, what perspectives can they alter to not be in resistance to that? And, and also talk about, when we are in resistance to either violence or something that's happening in the world or the opposing view that we have, then we are actually empowering that view and growing that view. Yes. Yes. So any, you know, anytime you make a stand due to the laws of polarity, there has to be somebody or something to make an equal stand on the other side. That's the so-called balance or equilibrium of this earthly plane. Like there's a North pole and the South pole and However, one of those shifts, it can destroy the whole world. So when I started looking at all of the opposites in nature and what I feel was divinely created, that was what helped me to get past this good and bad, right and wrong, and to see that I'm merely joining a team of what I feel like represents the morals, the values that I want to represent. And it's not about what everybody else does. I just show up for my team and I do my best every day. There's no need for comparing. There's no need for judging. Just show up and be who you want to be. And this gets back to the three questions of who are you, what are you about, and what do you exemplify? It's that exemplification that has the biggest impact on this on this world. So so choosing what, you know, not just the person that you think that you want to be, but the person being honest with yourself of who you're willing to work toward being each day to just do a little bit toward that. And, you know, I want to make sure that I do touch on, you know, specifically your question. But for whatever reason, the the void keeps coming up because in that email, somebody said something, this, this lady said that, you know, she may have misunderstood me, but that we're... Um, interdependent beings we we were designed to be together and to cohabitate and i agree with all of that what i'm discussing is the need 
to recognize the void and the cost that it's, it's making in your life. And that as long as you're looking for external situations, people, or things to fill those voids, you're always going to be dependent on those people. Your happiness is dependent on those people. But if you find a way to fill that void, maybe not perfect, but able to just fill it, then you can allow someone in your life to be part of that void, but you're conscious of it. And when they leave or take it away from you, you're not as vulnerable to go in such a downward spiral. So that was, you know, when I talk about voids, they're once again, they're not negative, they're not positive. It's just needing to be recognized that they're there. And then are you working every day to fill that void in some, or are you just dependent on others to fill it up for you? And we'll start with the most simple one of love or the most complex one, either way you want to look at it. And most people look to be loved external rather than looking to do all the loving things that they can for themselves to then attract somebody in that's going to give them that level of love. But when we, most people that are attracting people in for relationships, they're only attracting in the level that they're giving themselves or somebody that is exact opposite. And so an insecure person may uh, pull in somebody that's a very ego-driven, and then they get dominated by that ego-driven person. So remembering that everything's on frequencies, and you're either resonating or you are creating dissonance. Both are beautiful and necessary to life, but they don't need to be judged. Now bring that back around to make sure that... Uh, the questions that you brought up at that very last statement that I'm hitting on those. So we, we definitely have an episode on voids that we've done and we just released one on attachments. Of course, I will have all these linked in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go back to those that we covered as main topics, please do so. Um, yeah, I, the point of bringing all that up was to help people be able to see that, when they resist something, they're actually creating it or helping right. to create it. And and I, I gave the example in an episode about strawberries. If somehow I came across this website where somebody was declaring that strawberries were the best fruit. No, like no doubt about it. Like they weren't taking any any crap for it. And then of course there were comments about all these people who didn't think strawberries were, and they were like battling these people because they took such such a strong stance. But I bet if that person made a website like I like strawberries, yes. they wouldn't they wouldn't get that much uh, pushback. Yes, as I was sharing with someone else earlier today, it's how everything's presented. See, the way you present something either gets a defense mechanism from their traumas or it gets received. And this is why conscious communication is such a big part of all of this work. But we can actually visually show people in the relationships through the human design and the card system as to how to uh, best suggestions of how to approach somebody, whether they're a manifester or manifesting generator or generator or projector or reflector. There's basically five different ways to approach people in that initial contact and then the responses are laid out as well that if you don't approach this type the way that they prefer, they're going to go into some type of defense mechanism. So very simply, like with manifestors and manifesting generators, you give them mainly only open-ended questions like where do you want to go eat? 
with generators, they know what they don't want before they know what they want. So you just throw them options and give them an opportunity to shoot down every option until they find one that resonates with them. Then with projectors, you give them three multiple choice. If you give them an open-ended question, they go into analysis paralysis. And then with um, with reflectors, they're basically reflecting their environment. So you can even suggest like what you're interested in eating, and they're likely to go along with it and be happy to because they're reflecting back every aspect of a person. So see, just breaking that down, just that basic of how you initially interact with somebody could jump somebody from seeming calm to a violent if they're at, you don't know what they've gone through in their day and what kind of resistance they've been through, a death they've been through or something like that. So that's why people can jump from zero to 100 so fast because we don't know what that person has gone through in their life or their day earlier. So learning how to engage with people with that initial engagement to me is just um, invaluable uh, to know that because that's what gets you through that very first layer of either resistance or acceptance. And, um, and I don't want to fight nature, so to say. This is why I enjoy studying people's cosmic makeup and helping them to end their relationships to learn to speak more consciously. So in wrapping this episode up, I just had three examples of things that we did talk about that I just wanted to to give other examples. Um, one, we were talking about jobs that, that should be rotated or, or that when people are doing them for so long, they lose their humanity. We can, of course, point to customer service because mm-hmm. you know, they're just listening to people's problems all day long. All day long. And so there's no, there's never that change. But I feel like if people rotated, you know, throughout, if it's in a store, they're rotating throughout a store and like maybe one day a week they do that, I think they would be more refreshed and have yes, higher tolerance. Yes, because we have to all remember that, you know, most of us don't mind getting a little wet, uh, like walking from the car, the from the house to the car. But none of us really want to just stand out in the rain. And that's all that we're suggesting here is to look at challenging jobs to be more on a rotation, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, but I'm bringing it to the extreme of at least seven years. And see, in the, in the old, in the past, people look to get jobs to do from the time they're 18 until they retire. Uh, and sometimes they move up and change positions in the companies, but for a lot of people, they get a certain place and they just stay there. That's not so much the case anymore. Basically, the workforce forces people to change, but see, most people don't want to change. And here we're empowering people to know already be ahead of the game and be looking to change. And if you've already been doing a certain job for seven years, Start initiating interest in the change. Stay in gratitude for the job you have, but realize that it is weighing on you on all five of those levels because you've done it past a so-called life cycle. And we've talked about this seven-year life cycle on many different episodes. And you talked about teachers and how they are being overmanaged. And uh, like, like anybody can look at today and how the curriculum that they're to, te- to teach students is from top down 
and and so basically teachers they really have no creative freedom to teach the way they want that better their personality they can't use their creativity and so that is not an example of management because we right. you know we brought in the, the term management and it's defined directing. it and They're because being directed yeah in the past you've talked about how management is allowing everybody to be who they are but then just kind of like you know yes, the, redirect you know from my view the proper manager is able to recognize strengths in people and put them in jobs to where they they thrive because they're in an area that they they're good at and they want to do good at and then see that's going to make them in a rotation situation more willing to rotate because they know that if they go to do something they don't really want to do is for a short amount of time and they're going to be back to this other thing that they're really good at but the the deeper level is that they're learning they're still learning this new thing, but it's not every day. They're going to make another shift and another transition. And and so that's kind of going into a whole other discussion, but I am glad to like just at least bring that up to empower people to look at that time frame. And if you're getting close to seven years at doing something, this may be a big reason of why you're feeling this, this big itch to change your profession. And there's a an abundance of that right now in our culture anyway with uh, whether people have lost their jobs or been forced to change jobs. And so uh, a lot of people are looking for new direction right now. Lean into the friction of life, that whatever you resist, go into that. It's going to teach you the most, but you have to be willing to be the student. You have to be willing to expand the way you see things. And see, some people, they defend the way they see things right now because they, they're scared to, to broaden that view because that means vulnerability. So that's why the student is the, is the optimal. Through all of this work, you have to have that thirst to want to learn about yourself, to want to learn why do I have this resistance? Why can't I let them say whatever they want and me be comfortable in what I feel? See, that's much more important than trying to convince through debate or arguing or violence uh, for that person to change their mind. It is through learning to live through example rather than learning through proving yourself or proving your view. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. So I appreciate everybody tuning in and stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verities Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment and sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.